When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. podcast that is somehow stranger than the casting of Marlon Wayans in Requiem for a Dream. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of mazeandbrew.com, and my hetero life mate. Andy, you Appalachian love prince. How are you, brother? You know, I'm a little, little tired from powering this Michigan hype train, but you know, it's been a good week, you know. Got a tattoo, got a new cell phone, watched numerous camp highlights slowed down to the, you know, one millisecond per frame, but you know, normal week yeah that about sums up a normal week for me too (laughs) tatted and and slowing down practice videos to the point that it blows your mind Uh, i have not been doing that this week we are a day late obviously on this one i had to go to the beautiful coliseum that is red rocks colorado so uh, i do not apologize that was uh that was much needed but we are back now and we are going to keep powering through our season previews uh, what do you got for me for news? I haven't really been been too tied in this week. Any any camp news we need to touch on? A little bit of camp news, nothing too much to touch on. The AP poll came out, Michigan, not surprisingly, not ranked, but receiving votes. Donovan Jeter spoke about the camp hype, about how last season kind of bought into your own press a little bit after the Minnesota game, took the foot off the gas, and was a very kind of vulnerable, self-aware presser by him, talked about how He's been hyped up since 2019, but he needs to produce Saturday in, Saturday out to really live up to the billing. And it was kind of welcomed. It's like, okay, you know, you're buying into it. It wasn't too much, you know, coach, player, motivational, rah-rah speak. So that was cool. Ron Bellamy and Mike Hart spoke today about the team a little bit as well. Dax Hill talked about his versatile role. Nothing too much, but, you know, Dax Hill is going to play more. Donovan Jeter seems accountable. So good things you want to hear. Absolutely. Did we touch on that last week that they're happy enough with Makari Page and RJ Moten that they're considering playing Dax Hill a lot more at corner? I I think it came out after a little bit, but yeah, Yeah, they're going to really utilize his talents more this season and put him in more of a position to succeed and not just play 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. I think that was the first thing that I read all off season where I allowed a little bit of hope and hype to creep in because I was, we were big on that last year. We were like, he is so easily the best cover guy we have why is he not playing more corner Uh, that was because don brown is running stuff that army ran in 1953 (laughs) in the great tecmo bowl but now i really think that you know with a with a defensive coordinator that wants to to utilize you know his guys in unique ways and dax hill is a very unique player we don't really have anybody like that on the roster so that is enough to get me excited i think that you could really see his numbers pop it's just nice to hear a defensive coordinator and players echoing his same sentiment that he wants to put them in positions to succeed. I talked about last week, instead of putting, you know, uh, 
a square peg into a round hole. You're putting square pegs into square holes. You're building the defense around what you have there and not squeezing them in positions they're uncomfortable or minimizing what they do best because Dax Hill is far too talented to just be standing back there playing free safety ball hawk. Like he needs to be all over the place for this team. Absolutely. And I am very, very intrigued by both Paige and Moten, like both guys, both highly recruited. I thought it was going to be Jordan Morant. So of course I picked the only of the three guys that didn't pop, but you know, we gotta, we gotta own our wins and and own our losses just as well. So I'll take the L there. Yeah. It's you're fine. The safety room is so deep. They're doing the right thing. And we were claiming for this all last season, like you alluded to that move Daxel around. We have more competent safeties on this team than we do corners. Like until next year's recruiting class gets here, we need to just use our safeties as much as we can. Cause next year, thank God we're getting some cornerback help, but right now it's the safeties we need to be using. We have too many good ones. Absolutely. Yeah. And there is some help next year. You don't necessarily want to rely on true freshmen, but with five stars coming in, you expect a little bit more out of those five star guys. Uh, But maybe we could get some help in the transfer portal portal as well. Uh, The greens. Well, everybody will have an extra year of eligibility. So if Jamon Green, Vincent Gray, George Johnson's a name that they're kind of hyping up as maybe the the next guy, DJ Turner can definitely stick around another year. So uh, that, that depth there does improve. Um, you know, it improves this year from last year and next year it'll be even better. Uh, I have to imagine we do lose Dax Hill, though. I would have to imagine as well. Uh, Ron Bellamy had a funny quote today starting his presser off. He talked about how he and Brad Hawkins enrolled at Michigan in the same year. <laughs> yeah, Brad Hawkins has been there for a minute. <laughs> Brad Hawkins, Ronnie Bell, Donovan Jeter. I mean, they've been there since what, Obama administration won, like first term? <laughs> yeah, first term of Obama. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh yeah that they've definitely uh, are the the elder statesmen now at this point um yeah that that was also really cool to go back on your earlier point about jeter i don't get too excited about the uh the talk like that about accountability and how things are different because you do hear that every year um but you are hearing more of it this year like everyone is starting to chime in with that sort of accountability talk so that part, like when you hear it coming from the whole defense, that allows me to maybe get a little bit more excited about that aspect of it. I liked him really talking about how, about himself, about when he said, you don't hear players talking about like themselves that way. Like I've been talked about for years, guys, like I need to do it on Saturday. It's like, wow, like you see this. And that's what really brought me into it. He just sounded very mature at the podium. Like I'm just going to cut it to you straight. This is what I'm seeing. And it was cool. Like you can just tell the maturation is like really taken to him like over the last few years. And Aiden Hutchinson also spoke this past week on John Jansen's podcast and anything Aiden Hutchinson says, I'm just going to take his gospel. So yeah, I'm all ears when Hutchinson says it. So yeah, that's a very good point. And Jeter did have one of the more exciting plays from 2020. Yeah, the biggest play of the year. (laughs) Yeah, it probably was the best play of the year. Honestly. I mean, we went through and watched them all. There's not many other ones better than that to choose from. No, no. So yeah, in on the big, the big play of the year last year, hopefully he comes along. I'm really rooting for Jeter as much as anybody on this team this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything else from camp we need to touch on? I've watched uh, every video that's come out, though. I am all caught up on that. Uh, anything from the last couple video snippets standing out to you, getting you a little bit more excited than others? The scrimmage video just dropped about half an hour before we started recording from oh, the scrimmage last that. night. And there's a, uh, a Hassan Haskins spin off like a block, like, like the hole is stuffed up. He spins back the other way. And then there's also Aiden Hutchinson flying off the line of scrimmage, getting to Cade Mack. And whew, 
I had to take, I had to take a breath a little bit. I was yeah. getting excited to see those. It was nice to see both those things. And, uh, yeah, man, it's good to see him at the big house getting after it. I wish they'd let media be available there to watch and break it down, but I get it. It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, and we're not really in a position where we're so strong and so confident that we can be giving away anything at this point. And you've got, you got Washington right there at the very beginning of the season. And I mean, these are very different teams um, as far as like what they look like last year, different personnel. And last year was the uh, Washington coach's first year. Forget his name already. Some Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake. That's who it is. Yeah. I think it's Jimmy Lake. Yeah. So his first full year there. So you don't want to give anything away. I, I do get that. And the thing is, man, it's so good. It's so fun to watch him in pads and hit and like going live again. And you and I talked about this, that this seems like one of the healthiest camps. I, I haven't heard any even rumblings of an injury, knock on wood or anything, because <laughs> normally somebody's always hurt. Jordan Lewis was banged up in 16 for like two or three games coming out. DPJ was banged up. John Runyon's banged. Like this year, knock on wood, everybody seems pretty healthy. Yeah, I mean, we still got a couple weeks to go here, but I mean, haven't heard anything. Like, usually there's some pretty bad news uh, by now. I really don't even want to keep talking about this because I feel like <laughs> we're going to upset the gods. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's been a healthy camp and hearing all the right things. And you know, now we just got to see it. a couple more weeks now. We are we are inching. And we are two, two and a half weeks away. Two and a half weeks as we record here. Yep, on a Thursday. Oh, man. Yes, sir. Uh, All right, let's do this. Exciting times. All right, yeah, we are going to keep going on our season preview. Before we do that, got to take a moment to talk about our sponsors over at Homefield. Homefield Apparel out of Indianapolis, Indiana. The most incredibly comfortable, affordable sportswear brand that I am pleased to wear almost daily. Uh, their selection is out of this world. You can find anything from any team. You can go back as far as, I mean, as far as you can dream up as far as i can tell is into their selection and go really old school with it or go new school they've got you covered no matter who it is you support you can get 20 percent off your first purchase with mnb at checkout at homefieldapparel.com okay so this year we broke up the season into quarters last week was quarter two this is quarter three and you said off air you think this might be potentially the most difficult stretch. I had to disagree with you, but I mean, I'm going to give you a moment here to to say why you think that. <laughs> it's it's up for debate for sure, but I think every team in this stretch is going to be a confident dogfight type of game. The way it lays in the schedule with everything else, I think every team here is at least like a 75. And sometimes you're going to play teams that are in other stretches that are 90s, but have a team that's a 40 and a team that's maybe a 60 or 7. There's going to be variants. I think each game of this slate is going to be an absolute war due to either coaching, talent, or just the sheer fact that it's a rivalry. Okay. Um, so for context there, uh, last week we covered versus Rutgers uh, at Wisconsin at Nebraska. Pretty, pretty difficult stretch, but that's just because of Wisconsin outside of that. This stretch is Northwestern at, comes to Michigan, Michigan at Michigan State, Indiana at Michigan. So starting with Northwestern, um, this is the one that I would say would be the easiest of the three, even though we are both big believers in, um, in Fitzgerald. Great coach, consistently gets the best out of his guys, but the talent is not as great as it's been in years past. And Northwestern at the big house is uh, they don't have a great record uh, of getting it done there. And not to mention Peyton Ramsey's gone. They have a quarterback. 
situation that they need to get handled, which is not handled as of this podcast. They do. Hunter Johnson, the five-star transfer from Clemson, saw a little bit of action last year, but you also saw why he left Clemson. There were some struggles there. Rumors are he's coming on, I think, best-case scenario for Northwestern is he wins this job, and he takes over and leads this team. Have a strong running back room. This team was in the Big Ten Championship last year. Like they, they're coming off a lot. Pat Fitzgerald always gets the most out of his guys. He just said, you and I could lead the Pat Fitzgerald fan club. Like we just respect him so much and like what he does at this program. So I think they're going to be tough, but I'm with you. The like quarterback indecision is the opposite of what we talked about with Michigan, where we love that there's just so much decisiveness behind Cade McNamara. They have the complete opposite. Yes, and last year is one of the strangest, most asterisk Big Ten championships appearance that you can see, that you'll ever see, but I, you have to give it to Fitzgerald there, and it just goes to show what kind of coach that he is because he was able to keep his guys together and on task during that. So I'm not going to diminish it too much. I'd rather diminish Ohio State's accomplishments than Northwestern's. I mean, this is the school that recruits in like the 40s. And I mean, they're a journalism school. So for him to to get what he gets out of his guys, I, I, I'm not going to disparage him. He just him had two much. first rounders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to disparage him. He, he did better than us. Uh, I agree with you about Hunter Johnson. He was not that great looking last year, had his mm-hmm. moments. Um, you know, they did it with defense in a running game, but if he improves, that means the team overall is going to improve. Um, he'll compete with another transfer from South Carolina, Ryan Holinsky, I believe is his name. Yeah. Um, at wide receiver, I think it's going to be another transfer. That's their top target. So really utilizing the transfer portal. Uh, once again, I will just throw it out there that Michigan is the worst transfer portal team in the Big Ten. Um, we'll see about, I, we'll, we'll see about Dalen Baldwin though. Yeah, you're all of a sudden high on Dalen Baldwin. Where's he going to get the touches? I read your article. I just don't see the touches. I think, though, we're going to see. We're going to see. We're going to see, but that, he was, that's out of nowhere. You watch this new hype video. He's he's the one doing the catching. All right. Is he uh, he taking away touches from Roman Wilson or what? Am I taking away from CJ? Yeah. Okay, I could see that. But CJ's like our top returning wide receiver. So. Uh, all right, back on track. We'll I'm, oh, I'm off task. Um, <laughs> And then uh, at running back, I expect it'll be uh, Cam Cam Porter, most likely. He'll be pretty sturdy. I wouldn't say studly. We'll go sturdy over studly. And O-line was solid, not great, with three returning starters. So, I mean, about the same as us, but I think we feel a lot better about our running back. Definitely about our running back depth. Um, but I think, you know, once again, this isn't an offense that's going to absolutely blow anyone out. They did finally modernize their offensive concepts. So you will see, like, a little bit more uh, modern of an offense. But... They're going to try and out-physical you, and that's going to be tough for them, especially at the big house. Yeah, they're going to want to run the ball, and while they only bring back three on the O-line, keep in mind Rashawn Slater sat out last season, so he didn't play. So they started a freshman left tackle, and he held his own. He was very serviceable, and he's going to be back this year and has been mentioned in some like early national preseason award watch list. So they're going to be studly on that side. Looks like they're going to want to pound the ball, you know, try to take the ball out of Hunter Johnson's hands or whoever's playing quarterback, Alinsky, whomever, and just slow the game down, rely on the defense, and pound it kind of like Big Ten old-school football. Nothing too surprising there, even though they have modernized the offense. I forget the name of their new offensive coordinator, but, I mean, they were kind of like Michigan, their fan base, and that they were clamoring to modernize, you know, because they they were still doing the same stuff, just like we were doing a couple seasons ago under Drevno and – finally made that switch and I mean after what happened last year you know now they have some credence to that argument but 
I don't know. Got to see it again this year before I believe that Northwestern's about to become some big power. That's fair. And they tend to sometimes go up and down a little bit. They're three and nine, I think, or four and eight a few seasons ago. Right. It was, it was three and nine, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, they can fluctuate. They can go from really good to really, really bad. Yeah, and they lose. Who is the middle linebacker? Also, Patty Fisher. Patty Fisher, Greg Newsom off that defense. So you're only bringing back five guys, but this was the number one most efficient pass defense in the nation last year. They held their own against Justin Fields in Ohio State in that Big Ten championship. Mm -hmm. Yep, I think uh, they're probably relying on uh, Brandon Joseph um, at safety to be kind of the guy that carries the mouthpiece for that defense this year with Fisher and Newsom moving on. So there's still going to be some guys there. Uh, but we bring back a lot more on our defense. So if you had to say which offense do I like more and which defense do I like more, I'm taking Michigan in both. I don't know much about their special teams, but to be honest, we don't know much about our special teams yet at this point. The one thing I really like about where this lies in the schedule is Michigan's coming off a bye week, and this is going to be a huge jump up in talent for Northwestern. Jared, just listen to their schedule. So they open with Michigan State, you know, tough night game at home. And then it's Indiana State, Duke, Ohio, Nebraska, Rutgers, then Michigan. Wow. I mean, they're going to get the bowl eligibility just because of that schedule. And then they finish up with Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois. There's maybe four losable games there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this could be an eight-win team just because of the schedule. My goodness. We need to talk to whoever's – we need to talk to Ward Manuel about our scheduling. (laughs) Do something. I'd love to open up with that. Yeah, I would. Can we swap Washington for whoever? Ohio, the Ohio Duke, Bobcats, or Duke? Can we get Duke on the schedule? Can we get Duke on there? Yeah, my <laughs> goodness, that's garbage. Uh, yeah, that is that is a big jump up in the schedule for them. So, uh, all right, anything else uh, that we need to touch on them before you give me your your line on this game? I don't think so. Like we really hit on it. They their defense last year was very impressive because of the modernization and emphasis in the secondary. I expect to see them to still be very serviceable back there, but they're going to be rebuilding. So they'll, they'll be a challenge. They're just always are. They're going to come in prepared. Pat Fitzgerald's too good of a coach to just come in here and get embarrassed like that, especially when he has the the powerhouse of Rutgers before. So I think Michigan's going to win. I think the spread's going to be. 13 okay i got it michigan nine and a half and a half a little, a little tighter yeah yeah i think it'll be a little tighter but i don't know we'll see i need to see what these teams look like these this early on are almost a fruitless exercise because we just don't know we don't even know who's going to be starting for them yet but if you had to pick it now i think that'd be about right somewhere in the range we have yeah i, just, I think it'll be hunter johnson and i think he'll be mistake prone when the ball is put in his hands I like it. I hope that is the case. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a rivalry game. Looking forward to talking some absolute smack about Michigan State right after this. Okay, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are pushing through on the season preview, and this is one that we have had bookmarked for a while. It is a game that I absolutely have actually physically circled at some point on a calendar. For this year because it is the Michigan Michigan State game it is a rivalry game that should not mean as much as it does right now like we should just be owning these guys and they should be an afterthought but as it stands we have to care about this and the biggest must-win game of the year absolutely could not agree more second place doesn't even matter 
I have even argued that 3-3 three and three against Michigan State under Jim Harbaugh is worse than 0-5 against Ohio State because of the three losses being trouble with the snap, the monsoon play-calling game, and the COVID season. So it's like, it hurts. It's rough to see. this. There is no game more important on Michigan's schedule than Michigan State. It's not always the case. It is this year. You have to take care of business. Um, before we get into this game, can we – talk for a minute about what you just said the three wins so three and three and our three wins over them are the holding them under 93 yards the absolute beat down in 19 uh, and then 19 yep and then 16 which was just a good old-fashioned victory jabril pepper seals it at the end with the uh what was it an interception return for fumble recovery failed yeah two-point conversion he scoops and scores it scooped and score yep so our three wins, very convincing, honest wins in good weather. Their three wins, trouble with the snap when we really did dominate that game. Like yeah. more so than just, I mean, the score indicated. We're for first sure. down away from winning that game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my God. The monsoon game, which we've talked about on this program, one of the most inexcusable games of all time. Yeah, and we'll, yeah. We'll take that one on the chin. More or less our yeah, fault. That, you, yeah. Yeah. You have to take that one on the chin. And then COVID season last year when we lost to freaking Indiana and took three overtimes to beat Rutgers. Like it was a disaster year from the from the get-go. So they act and they act now like over on Spartans wire and stuff like they have the upper hand in this rivalry. It's three and three and three absolute fluke wins. It's it's very surprising. And I'm one ham. You want to support your team, support your team. and there, But there are better arguments to make for them, saying, you know, we're always going to keep the game close. We're always going to physical it up. We're going to make it dirty, going to make it ugly. Like, 18 was one of my favorite games because it was really tight there for a while, 7-7. Then Michigan kind of pulls away, wins 21-7 at the end. But Michigan State can drag you into the mud. But by saying you, you have Harbaugh's number, you're, you're this and you're that, it's just kind of preposterous. Like, I get supporting your team, but just use a little bit more logic. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the numbers don't support it. You're three and three, so no one has anyone's number. No. They seem really confident about this game. I think that Harbaugh is going to have a chip on his shoulder for this game. I think he gets it that people see this as unacceptable. Like, it's not only can you not beat Ohio State, you're having trouble with the little brother, and they are the little brother. They even act like a little brother, just the way that they they <laughs> contort themselves. They really do, though. And it's like, and like a little brother, they're going to make these games ugly. Like, you don't want to lose your brother in anything. And they're always amped up for this game. And it took Harbaugh really until about 18 to understand the importance of this one which also I mean, did eventually lead to the absolute just evisceration of Michigan State in 2019. Which was a lot of fun, but that should be happening every other year. Maybe not every year, but you should be <laughs> winning every year and then blowing them out every other year. Yes. That's uh, my expectation. That's all we want from this game. But this is, I mean, like you said, I'm going to find a calendar and I'm going to circle this date somewhere because this is the most important game of this season and probably the most important game of Jim Harbaugh's career. Oh, yeah, lose this, and there's nothing that you or I will be able to say to bring optimism back to the fan base. I mean, I don't think you'll be able to bring it back to us. Yeah, unless this is, like you said, unless this is like the first loss and it's there's some madness that happens. But if it's just a good old-fashioned beating like the COVID season, it's like, big yikes, Jim. Yeah, if you're 7-0 and and you lose this and go 7-1 and or at 7-1, and you're, I don't know, the, the seat's going to start warming up. You're going to have a lot more less room to navigate. And all eyes are going to be on you. So, yeah, got to take care of this one. All right, the nitty-gritty of the team. 
this was not a very good Spartans team last year. The fact that we lost to them, it just makes it even worse because they were actually probably worse than us. They only won one game, and it was us. Scott, <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> they were last in the Big Ten in yards and scoring somehow, even though they beat us, and it looked like we couldn't stop them to save our lives. And everyone on the offense is back except Rocky Lombardi and his stupid name. <laughs> Which we still get to see the second week of the or yeah, third week of the year. Name. It's dumb. so it's yeah this spartan team is more or less they're getting back to what they've been known for they have a huge offensive line i believe everybody every starter is over 310 now i mean there are some beefy boys up there but they're also bringing in i believe around like 30 or 40 new people like from transfer portal and graduations and everything else so it's going to be kind of a new mix and match team and they will be better. They're going to be better than one win. Like, come on. Like, there's yeah, better. Mel Tucker's sure. a better coach than that. They have better players than that. And but this is your typical Michigan State team. They're going to try to be big up front. They're going to be very physical. They're going to pound the ball. And they're playing stout defense. It's very kind of similar to the old mantra, Big Ten type of thinking, like the Pat Fitzgerald conversation we just had. Except this team is bigger. And like you said, they're going to be, you know, maybe a little dirty. Even one of their guys on the John Jansen podcast, their color commentator said they use the whistle as a suggestion or one of their players does. So it's an interesting thing to seek, find pride in, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, this is the team of Jacob Panashuk. They love the cheap stuff. Like that's their favorite thing is to just do something absolutely cheap and dirty and that of a degenerate. (laughs) This is not a pro Michigan state podcast. No, I mean, I would hope you're not even here at this point. What have you been listening to? No, but they're, they really need to find answers at quarterback. And I think for Harbaugh, for the Michigan team, not just us on the outside, this is the number one game they have to win. Like, this is a game you're going to come into with a lot to prove to everybody. This rivalry really matters inside the state. Like, this is a vicious, contentious rivalry. Honestly, much more so now than it has been with Ohio State. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, So projected starter with Lombardi out is Anthony Russo. He transferred from Temple. A lot of the same issues as Lombardi, though. He throws a lot of interceptions. So this is a guy, especially if you can get after him, um, you can really cause some errors. Uh, They do have really good receivers, though. Really good receivers. Really good receivers. Jaden Reed, Ricky White, Jalen Naylor. That's a really good starting three. Um, And then they got like solid tight ends, too. So if this guy from Temple can take a step, They could have a pretty good passing offense. Um, I mean, I like our wide receiver depth with anybody, but theirs might be even a little bit more proven. They have great experience, but I still think they're going to like work through the run game with the quarterbacks, you know, you know, nature to throw a little bit, be a little more careless. I think rely on the run game, let it set up the passing game. But yeah, last year they cooked us all day at the corners at on the outside. Yeah. Yeah, and they bring back uh, the running back should be – got two transfers coming in. Um, one of them's a 1,000-yard rusher, and that goes with uh, Connor Hayward, Jordan Simmons, and Elijah Collins. So they've got guys there too along with that big offensive line that you already mentioned. That'll be what they want to lean on. I think they will definitely be able to run the ball better than they could last year. That's not saying too much. And I think they'll be able to pass it a little bit just because of those wide receivers. So – This is, I mean, the defense is going to be challenged against these guys, Um, but it's on defense where I think that they're going to take a bit of a step back. Yeah, this, yeah, there's going to be a lot for, this is where Mike McDonald's really going to, you know, 
earn his earn his keep at Michigan is how are you going to adjust to this, their offense, their versatility, their physicality? Because last year they just kind of bulldozed this over, although, I mean, it was a one-score game late in the game, but they were physical, they controlled the line of scrimmage, and they did what they want on the outside. So they have the skill positions there, and this team on paper should be right around eight wins. I mean, they have the talent. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it very well could be an eight-win team, um, especially with their schedule being a little bit on the easier side. Early on, their schedule's a joke. Um, their front four, you know, they get rid of a couple guys. They have noted villain Jacob Panashuk, who I've already mentioned, who him and his brother are just goons. Um, the defensive tackles are big. Um, they're both over 300 pounds. I think he's going to want to run more of like a 4-3 traditional, if I'm not mistaken. I think it'll be yeah. two defensive tackles, two ends, uh, on the field most of the time. Um, linebackers are only okay. Nothing, nobody really that scares you there. Uh, Shakur Brown on the back end, he had five picks last year, and Kalon Gervin's really solid. So their back end is solid with with those two guys. Five picks in a shortened year is actually quite impressive. No botches in the linebackers' core to root against this year? No, we root against Panashek instead now. Okay, yeah, we need a villain to root against yeah, on this There's your team. villain. <laughs> But no, this is this is going to be a dogfight game. It's a game we're going to wake up for that Saturday, nervous, stressing out all day, texting back and forth vigorously, just like, what's going to happen? What's this? What's this? This game, a lot of at this late in the season is going to come down to health. Health, because yeah. Michigan State does not have a great home field. Let's just call it what it is. East Lansing yeah. isn't, you know, where opponents' dreams come to die. It's just kind of be a lot of a lot of blue maize and blue in there too. A lot of maize and blue there. It's kind of out in an open field next to an abandoned lot. And <laughs> you might see two dogs fighting over a tire while you're sitting in the stands. Yeah, a couple hobos, you know, fighting over a can of chili. It's a <laughs> normal day there, but standard East Lansing stuff. <laughs> but it's going to be a dog fight, man. I'm really excited for it. It's it's better for the rivalry when Michigan State is good. Blowing them out in Mark D'Antonio's last game in 2019 was, I mean. I'm not going to say no to that. This is just better for the rivalry, and it's going to be a great test. This team, the Wolverines can't just bounce back against an inferior team because Michigan State's going to be better. Oh, yes, absolutely. And they need to have it circled, just yep. like we have it circled. They need to get up for this one, and it's not going to be a gimme, but uh, I will take the absolute beatdown if I can. All right, what's the spread on this one? This is a tough one. Five. Michigan by five. The Wolverines by five. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to stick with you. We'll both go Michigan five there. It's, I like that. It's tough. It's going to be a dogfight, man. And one of our biggest complaints, like I said, really until 18 was they were always up for the game and we never were. It took Devin Bush tearing up a field to get everybody mm. on that level. Oh, that's what I want to play through my mind as I die. <laughs> we don't ask for much. We don't. We do not. All right. Uh, last game we want to cover in this quarter of the season is another revenge game and a game that, if I had to say, we said that was the most important. This is maybe the second most important because of the revenge factor. And they won against us for the first time since I was born in Michigan, and that is Indiana. This will be in the big house this time around. In the big house with fans. Indiana is going to be good. It brings back of of most noteworthy Michael Penix Jr., who is arguably the best quarterback or most prolific quarterback returning in all of the Big Ten. So they have the talent there. They've been close to Michigan for a while, and they're seeking back-to-back -back wins for the first time since 1958 and 1959. 
cannot have that hanging on your resume. This is another one that if you lose, the optics are awful um, because just we really out recruit Indiana and they've they've got some guys there. Um, like you said, Phoenix Jr. being the one that or Penix. I, probably oh, no, let's Penix. call him Phoenix. Let's call him Phoenix. I think Phoenix is funnier to say. Exactly. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to keep it as that. No disrespect to him. Uh, once this game's over, we'll be as respectful as possible. But we're, we're covering the game now. Uh, good enough to potentially be like, I've heard him as high as a first rounder with a big year. I mean, he's a big quarterback. He can really chuck it. He's got two proven receiving targets in Ty Freifogel and Peyton Hendershot and Ty Freifogel has been there for five years. Cause you don't forget a Harry Potter ass name like that. <laughs> He's back. Thank God Wap Fillier's gone, though. So. Wap Fillier and Tri Five. Those are just syllables strung <laughs> together at random. Those are strung together, and they do also lose who I think was their best player last season, uh, Stevie Scott at running back. Stevie Scott. Yeah. Where did he get drafted to? He's He definitely got drafted. Is like the Vikings, the Jets. I don't know. But yeah, he was a problem. I'm glad he's gone. Um, they're going to get a trans, or they got a freshman in Tim Baldwin they really like. Um, to take over for him. They got Samson James, who we saw a little bit of. He's bigger. He's like 220. He's got like a bowling ball. Um, and then they also got USC transfer Stephen Carr coming in. So they've got three guys that they like. I mean, kind of similar to we do. They've got two receiving threats that they like. Um, they they could be pretty good on offense. I don't know about how good they're going to be on defense, though. They bring back nine starters on the defense. So that's that's going to kind of lead them through this back there. But I, I'm with you. I wasn't super impressed with what they had there last year. Phoenix scares me the way he can sling the ball around. Uh, Stevie Scott, undrafted, by the way, but signed with the Saints. So it's kind of surprised wow. he went undrafted. That is he was, yeah, he was Why did stunning. he leave then? Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's good. And they just lost a former four-star recruit into the transfer portal a few weeks ago. And rumors is Mike Hart could be – have the lead on him because he recruited him to IU. So hello, I know. So don't forget What's the position running, running back? back. Yeah. Oh so, God, we don't even need it, but I'll we'll take it. Sure, come on. The yeah. <laughs> this is also the Mike Hart revenge game. I mean, not really any kind of revenge mm-hmm. for any reason, but he's leaving. He knows a lot about the offense to really help Mike McDonald and the defense prepare. And you know, he's at his alma mater. Wants to see them have success now over his former employer. So that's a big leg up on what Tom Allen and company are trying to do there. And so the defense is experience, which concerns me. But I, this Indiana team is going to be tough. They're not going to take a step back, but I think they're going to be right about the same level they were last year. Not really up, not really down. Yep, they get back Marcelino Ball, who's been there for a while, and he's really solid um, in the back end of their defense. They lose their safety, Jamar Johnson, to the NFL. So kind of like a mix of bringing some guys back and – some other guys moving or transferring, but not huge turnover like you saw with some of the other teams here. Uh, Micah McFadden's really good at linebacker. Uh, one of the best linebackers that we've covered going through all these teams. Wisconsin had a had a good one, but Micah McFadden will be uh, he'll be a problem for whoever's running the ball, and they can get into the backfield as well. Um, they lost, I think it was uh, Jerome Johnson. Yeah, I believe he yeah he got drafted. So we don't know where their pressure is going to be coming from. So hopefully uh, our offensive line is able to hold up when uh, Mike McFadden's expected to be their, their primary pass rusher. But I agree with you. I don't expect some huge step back from this team. I think they're, they're here to stay as just like another competent 
Big Ten team. So we've been talking about and screaming about the whole year about this Michigan schedule is just ridiculous because the basement of the Big Ten isn't a basement anymore. Like well, this is a one-story house, maybe two stories yeah. with Ohio State, but that's about it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a two-story house, and if there's a basement, it's just like kind of a crawl space, and it's Nebraska and Maryland. <laughs> Exactly. Nobody else. Not Rutgers, not Urshiano, not what Tom Allen's done at Indiana. And he really gets his guys fired up. We've had close games with Indiana before. I've had some dog fights. I remember the, the I believe, triple overtime game with Dad Rudock was in 15. was just incredible. Almost lost a job over that because I was managing a restaurant at the time and I refused to leave the TV to deal with customer complaints. <laughs> but looking back, I did the right thing. You did the absolute right thing. You should have been employee of the month. It's, like it's double overtime, sir. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Glenn, have you seen the scoreboard? <laughs> I, I, I turn around afterwards, arms in the air, raising victory. There's nobody left in the restaurant. It's gone. I've definitely been that guy for several games. And any Big Ten uh, tournament or NCAA tournament game, I am useless at work. Yeah. just I worked at a restaurant during the Michigan-Michigan State 18 game. And I was serving at this one and I told them, I said, listen, I'm coming down here to help you on this Saturday, do you a favor, but I'm going to be watching this game. So they put me in a section right next to a TV and I had no tables. And then there's that damn weather delay for an hour and a half. And I'm sitting there just shaking violently, like, come <laughs> on, don't take this from me, but still got to watch it. And I got to see the, the DPJ Paul Bunyan pose live, which of course ruled. <laughs> Has your employee been huffing glue in the back? Why is he shaking like that? <laughs> oh, no, it's just the Michigan game. Just, oh, there let's go. I got it. I understand ah, this. I get it. I get it. <laughs> this adds up. Uh, yeah, man. So this Indiana game is, uh, you just can't get caught sleeping at any point in this schedule. I mean, there's, there is no game outside of those Western, Northern Illinois, Western Michigan games that you can expect to just win only on talent. You got to get up every week. I know we've been, you know, talking about spreads here and we'll get into the IU spread. But personally I thought I think we drop Wisconsin. This is what I'm thinking. And I think we drop honestly we could drop Northwestern coming off that bye week. Get caught sleeping. Ooh. Come right in there. I think we drop one of the games you don't expect. Ooh, people are not gonna be pleased if we drop Wisconsin and Northwestern. But I mean, if you come back and beat Michigan State and do it handedly, yeah, you beat Michigan State and you beat IU and you enter the last three games with two losses. It's like, come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Big Ten tournaments pretty much out though. Championship would likely be out at that point. It'd be tough. We'd need some help for sure with Ohio State Mm -hmm. dropping one, and then we'd have to take them down at the end. So, yeah, but you know, possible. Yeah, it's possible because I think we get Penn State, which we'll get into next week. And it yep. leads into my, you know, possible nine and three prediction. Like I think it would ride on Ohio State, and you know, we'll see. And then, yeah, you just uh, you roll the balls out there and see what happens. At that point, <laughs> at that point, just just let them play. Whoever wants it more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, at the, I'm going to be so drunk for that game. Either way, I won't remember it. <laughs> just drink away all the. If either way, somebody said, "What happens if you're at the game and they win?" I said, "You won't see me at work for a week." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you'll probably end up just in a ditch. And this goes into uh, chapter four of Andy's previous employers. Why do you keep dropping jobs? Well, they <laughs> try to make me work during the fall. What do you What do you expect? Anthony Michigan and the, beat <laughs> Indiana. You think I'm coming to work for a week after that? <laughs> Anthony and the boys tolerate us. We finally found a position where we're welcomed in love for our lunacy. <laughs> well, we're tolerated. <laughs> yeah, t- tolerated. Welcome to strong word. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's maybe walk that one back a little bit. <laughs> uh, oh, IU spread? 
IU's spread, this is going to be a tough one. Um, I think IU's going to be good. Give me uh, – it's at Michigan, so give me Michigan three and a half. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go Michigan just a little higher. Michigan Michigan by seven, touchdown. By seven? Yeah. I like that. This might be one where I might mess around with the over. I could see this one getting into something that resembles a bit of a shootout. I don't know why. I just got a feeling. It could be a little. It has in the past. It could be, like I said, it could get, this game is always wonky. Like 15 triple overtime, 16 was the snow game with John O'Corn. Mm-hmm. Um, 17, I don't remember. I know he won. Yeah. Some of these run together. 19, I think, was the complete beating. Yeah. Uh, 17 was the weird O'Corn year. So 17 well, six, was... 16, uh, he played for Spate right after the game. He, he he started that game. Oh, okay. So I think he played in 17 then, too. Yeah, he played... Uh, let's go put up Winsipedia. I watched that it, game the other day because, you know, I just revisited... No, we, we just covered this in our 2017 game. That was the game he went for, like, 9 for 20 for 58 yards or something. Yeah. And we won. Yeah, so in the in the sixteen game, so Spate was out and he started, and he had a huge run late in the game that won it for us. And that I forget more than the seventeen game. Yeah, seventeen we won 31-20. 20. So you know, still a close battle. Nineteen was thirty nine fourteen. I believe that's the game. Nico Collins had like three touchdowns. Yeah, Nico went berserk in that one. Went crazy in last year, thirty eight twenty one. Yeah. So, I mean, generally we're winning by two touchdowns, but until we didn't. Yeah, as I said, it'll be, you know, contested game. 2013, we won 63-47. to 47. That is disgusting. <laughs> and then, like I said, that 15. Over 40, 100 points. 15 was 48-41, to 41, so okay. yeah, bet the over. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. <laughs> All right, brother, any final thoughts before we call it? Uh, no, for me, man, one more season preview next week, and then we're getting into Western again. And then we're in it. We're absolutely in it. Oh, that is exciting. I'll be, uh, it'll be great to actually talk football again and not just hypothetical football. It'll be good, man. Guys, uh, remind the listeners, you know, enjoy the ride. Be nice to each other. Season's right around the corner. Yeah, same team, guys. Same team. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether that be Apple Music, Spotify, wherever. Follow us on Twitter, at Maze and Brew. I am Jared, that is Andy, this is Out of the Blue, and we'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.